Clap to our God who is worthy. Amen. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day, moms. You guys go ahead and have a seat. Let's give it up for these moms again today. Come on, help me out a little better. We want to welcome you. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. We're so excited about you being here with us today. If you're a guest, welcome. Uh, this is our service that is being live streamed online. We want to welcome those who are watching today. We love you. We know you're here with us in spirit. Thank you for joining us today. Let me start off, moms, by asking you a question. Is it ever a struggle to be a mom? You're like, that is the dumbest question anybody has ever asked. Happy Mother's Day to my mom who's in this one. Mom, was it ever a struggle to raise me? Don't feel, you, know, you don't need to answer that out loud, right? But, uh, but we know that that is, I was in, we know that's the truth. I was in Kroger this past week and I was checking out in the self-checkout area. I looked over at one of the little self-checkout areas next to me and there was a young mom. She had a baby on, on this hip and she had a cart full of groceries. I'm checking out just a couple of things. I'm kind of watching this go down. She has two little toddlers that were old enough to be squalling and fighting with each other. At the same time, they're going toe to toe. And, uh, and I'm kind of watching all this go down at this moment. And I, I, I probably, I, Randy said, you probably should have helped her. And, uh, but, at, but at that moment, I was really, I, was, I couldn't because I was gaining sermon illustration material. At that moment, I could not intervene. So I watched this go on, but she ended up at the end there. I was watching it. She had this look on her face, and you know what it was? It was the look of struggle. She was struggling so much at that moment. And I, I know I've heard so many of you who are moms who have talked about the great joys of being a mom, and, uh, and, and I know that you wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And, uh, but you know, there must be as moms, and again, there must just be some challenges that are just so, only just so unique to you and what you go through. And, and some of you are going through some challenges. Some of you are going through some heartaches. Some of you are going through things that we possibly couldn't understand. And I wanna thank you just for your patience. I wanna thank you for your perseverance and, and the way that you persevere through things like that. We love you so much, you're amazing. We're in a series called Broken Pieces, and we've been taking a look in the scriptures of how God takes some of the broken things and the struggles that are in our lives, these fractured things, and in his way, through his power and through our surrender, God can actually mold some of those things and shape some of them into a masterpiece. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about these tiles, and many of you participated. I love it. We actually ran out of tiles last week, had to go get some more, and that just said so many of you participated, and what we we do, are doing, if you don't know, we're writing down on the back of these tiles some of the broken things that are in our lives, and we've been talking about what that looks like. You take them, you break them, and, and then we have artists who are putting them into a beautiful masterpiece that we will display for you soon, and I can't wait to show you what that's going to look like whenever it's done, but, but, uh, but everybody struggles in life. It's not only just moms, but we know you have unique struggles. But all of us struggle in one way or another. I've, I've heard, in fact, my wife was in a Bible study that was entitled, The Struggle is Real. Some of you may feel that, where it's just you're constantly in turmoil and, and, you know, and you're struggling maybe not only just with motherhood if you're a mom, but you're struggling in other ways. And, and, and sometimes the struggles are just some of the things that are tough that we're dealing with in our lives. And the reason that we are struggling is because we know this world is broken. The Bible tells us it's broken because of sin. And that because of sin uh, and what we find in the scripture, we know in Adam and Eve's sin, here's what God said to them in Genesis 3:17. The ground, uh, just speaking of this, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life will be, what does it say? A 
It's a struggle. It's going to be a struggle in your work, a struggle in your life as you're scratching a living, trying to make a living there. We've all lived that verse, moms especially probably, right? Now in this series, we've been talking about the different kinds of struggles or brokenness. In the first week, we talked about the struggle with others that we have, and we we moved through some issues of resentment and bitterness that can bring brokenness if someone's hurt us, and, and we're helping, trying to help you move through some of that, okay? But there's also a struggle within. This may be your biggest struggle. Many times our biggest battle is inside of us. We struggle with our fears, with our flaws, some of us with some addictions, some things that we, that can bring about some shame and guilt in our life. This is why it's so important for us to understand God's grace and to understand that he never stops pursuing us. We said this, that it's, it's, it's hard for us to forgive others when we don't understand how much we have been forgiven right? And so we really spent some time on on working through and understanding grace last week. But another struggle that I want to take you down the road of today is a struggle that I think many of us have been in. Some of you are in this place right now, and it's the struggle that we often can have with God. When we're in a place where, where things are happening and we just don't get it, And we're wondering, why am I going through this? Or maybe in that place of not understanding something that's happening, we can begin to question God. And and we can begin to question and maybe even try to control some things that are going on in our lives. We can even begin to question God's goodness. Have you ever done that? I'll be honest with you and let you know that I've struggled with that. I've struggled with God at certain times in my life. We love God, but we have questions, don't we? We love God, and sometimes the things we're battling with, we wrestle with. Maybe the struggle is God gave you a directive. You decided that maybe you know better, and you're going a certain way. It's not working out. That could be some of the struggle. But for some of us, sometimes the struggle is just things happen, and we don't understand why they happen. We might ask questions in the midst of that. Why did you allow this, God? Why, why is this happening to me? God, why are you saying no to me about this right now? Why isn't this prayer that I've been praying to you over uh, uh, about for some time, why is it that it seems like you're silent right now? God, I don't understand, right? And so we have doubts that creep in, which can lead to brokenness, disappointment, broken pieces in our lives. And a lot of us have been there. Some of you are there today. And I've been there with you before. I know many of us would say that we've been there. I want to take you to a passage of Scripture. If you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 32, and uh, we're going to look at an interesting story today. I've always found this passage so peculiar. Now, moms, uh, I want to apologize up front and say it's not a passage about a woman, Uh, and and so I hope you'll bear with me, but here is what we all would be able to relate to. It is a passage about a fellow struggler. It's a fellow struggler, and and some of you will really relate to his story today. Jacob is who we're going to look at. He's a perfect representation for all of us who go through the struggles that I talked about in life. If you know about Jacob's story, you know that he struggled with others. He had great fallout with his family. He had struggles in his in with his uncle, with his brother Esau. His brother Esau wanted to kill him because Jacob had cheated him out of out of some things. Right? We'll talk about that in a second. He had struggles 
but with his wives. Yes, plural, wives. All right, now let me just say something about this. Polygamy is in the Bible, but just because something is in the Bible does not mean God endorses it. You need to understand this, all right? Uh, Slavery is in the Bible, but God does not endorse slavery. Polygamy is in here because men made bad decisions and went against God's plan of one man and one woman. And so he had two wives and his wives fought. If you want to know why this isn't a good idea, read Genesis chapter 30 and you will see why it's not a good idea because there is a lot of fighting and struggling that is going on. His design was one man and one woman. Nevertheless, Jacob struggled with his wives. He had struggled with his in-laws. He had turmoil in relationships all over the place. He had struggles within. He struggled with insecurities. And he also, you're going to see today, he struggled with God. Hosea 12, 3, speaking of Jacob, says, even in the womb, moms, think of this, Jacob struggled with his brother. When he became a man, he even, what does it say? He fought, he strove, he struggled with God. Man, how would you like to raise those boys? They're fighting before they even come into this world, right? But that's what they did their whole lives. They fought with each other. Jacob was a struggler. Now, let me set up the context for you to let you know before we get into a struggle with God, what's going on with him. Uh, if you know your Bible, you know that in Genesis, you know that the story is that Jacob was a son of Isaac. He had a brother named Esau. And Esau uh, was more of the hunter kind of guy. Jacob was not really in, in that vein. He gets into this, this battle with his brother over Esau, who was the firstborn, over his birthright. He ends up deceiving his brother out of, out of his rightful birthright, which was a big deal in this, in this culture. Not only did he deceive him out of his birthright, he deceived him out of his father's blessing. This was a big deal, but as a result, it caused great conflict between Esau and Jacob. And as a result, in the rivalry, Esau got to the place, he was so upset with him and bitter and angry that he wanted to murder Jacob. He literally wanted to take him out, and he was going to do this, but with the help of Jacob's mother, Rachel, she sends Jacob away to go live with his uncle in another part of the country. When he's there with his uncle Laban, he ends up reaping what he's been sowing because now he's going to be deceived by his own uncle. He wants to marry Rachel. He falls in love with Rachel, but as a result, he gets deceived. He ends up marrying a woman named Leah that he never really loved. He ends up eventually marrying Rachel, but again, I know this sounds so messed up because it really is. He was manipulated by his uncle Laban for for 14 plus years, and this starts making their relationship very tense. God leads Jacob to move back home, but there's one big obstacle to going home. Do you know what it was? Esau, because Esau was still there and Esau still hated him. This was what was happening. Jacob is on the run from his uncle. Jacob is heading home. He's become very wealthy and prosperous in this time. He's running from his uncle. He's, his wives are fighting. Esau wants to kill him. He's surrounded by conflict, turmoil, struggle. This family put the fun in dysfunction. Some of you can relate, right? 
You think, man, my family is is messed up. But this is what was happening. He's trying to control the situation, though, as he always had. He's always been manipulating. He's always been trying to control it. So here's what he's going to do. He gets to a place called the Yabak River. And when he gets to the Yabak River, he sends gifts ahead. He splits his family up into two. By the way, he sent Leah first, okay? All right? He sends her first, keeps Rachel back a little bit, sends her on ahead, and his whole plot and manipulation and control of this was in sending gifts. Maybe he would be able to bribe Esau. Maybe he'd be able to get Esau to forgive him in this kind of way. He's still trying to control this. Finally, everybody leaves the camp. He's all by himself at the Yabak River. In the Hebrew, it's actually a pun. It's Yaakov, which is Jacob, is at the Yabak, and he is about to wrestle with God, and it's Yebek. So Yaakov, that's hard to say, but that's the play on words. You get the picture. He sends his family on. So Jacob is now all alone. The silence is deafening for him. He's been running all of his life. Everything is crashing in around him. Nothing is working out. Have you ever felt like that? It's like, man, nothing is working out for me. I'm trying everything. I'm trying to control everything. And, he's, and, and his family is in a mess. Nothing's working out. He's all by himself, but not for long. Because someone is about to come and confront him in his silence. Got a little bit of a ring or something going on, Rick. Jacob has done everything he can to manipulate, to control, to deceive. He's now in a place of great desperation running his whole life, and God comes to him in the silence of the camp. He can't run anymore. His back is against the wall. Maybe you can relate. And God has a talk with him, and here's what, in essence, he's saying, Jacob, you're not running anymore. Your running is over. You've been running from conflict. You've been running from problems. You've always been trying to control, and you especially have always been running from me, and I love you. I've been pursuing you all of your life. Those days of running are over. This is what happens, okay? Genesis 32, let me take you there, verse 24. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and, what does it say? Wrestled, wrestled, grappled with him until the dawn began to break. Now, what is this man? Is this just some guy? This is what is known as a theophany, perhaps an angel of the Lord, It's a representation of God. It could be a Christophany. It could be Jesus uh, before the the pre-incarnate, before he comes. But, But the point is, it's a representation of God who is wrestling with him, right? And when the man saw, that's the representation of God, saw that he would not win the match, Jacob, in other words, wouldn't surrender. He wasn't letting go. He's a bit stubborn here. He touched Jacob's hip. This part right up in here that is attached to your quad, your thigh, it's the strongest muscle in your body. It's the one that makes you a great runner, right? And he touches him in this place that is his place of strength, and he wrenched it out of socket. What is he doing? He's breaking him. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, will you read it with me out loud? Listen, Gage, on this. Say it with me. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you what? You bless me. So what in the world is going on? I've always found this passage to be so peculiar. If Jacob is wrestling with almighty God, who is omnipotent, that means all-powerful, right? Is Jacob really overpowering the almighty God? 
Does he really have that ability? The God who speaks and things come into existence, right? The God who with a breath, with a word. But, but what is going on here? This is what I want you to know. God is letting the struggle happen. We realize at any moment God could go. But he doesn't do that. Some of you feel like you got this, right? And that's what God is doing. Has anybody in here, have you ever wrestled? Any, any wrestlers, you know, or in Texas, what do we call it? Wrestling, all right? Any wrestlers? Any wrestling? Okay, wrestling is exhausting if you've ever wrestled. Any kind of sports like that where there's a combat, whether it's MMA or it's boxing or wrestling or whatever it may be, the rounds are shorter, right? It seems like an eternity when you're doing it because it's exhausting when you're wrestling, This is a very important thing for us to understand what's going on here. God never stopped pursuing Jacob. Now Jacob has nowhere else to run. If you're taking notes, I want you to see God is actually the one who is initiating the confrontation with Jacob. Write this down. God was bringing Jacob to a place of brokenness. He's breaking him. And some of you are in a struggle maybe with God right now. God, though, you need to know, loves it whenever we We hang on and we wrestle with him. We struggle with him. We grapple with him. Does God love it because he's mean? Is it that God loves that we're struggling in our lives? No, when you are wrestling with God, do you realize what it means? It means you're engaged with him. It means you're not running anymore. It means you've been running, but now you're actually engaged. You may not like the struggle. You're in the midst of the struggle. But when you're you're not wrestling with him, you're avoiding you're saying, forget you, God. I don't want to talk to you right now. I'm gone. But, but God would rather you grapple with him than flee from him. He wants you to be in relationship with him. And, and you may be in this place where you're saying, God, this isn't right. This isn't, I don't like this. God, I don't understand this. That's wrestling with God. I want to show you that that's okay. What this is showing us is God is okay with us wrestling with him. God is okay with that happening. God God wants us to stop running. He says, I want you to face me. I want a relationship with you. And in any relationship, what do we know? Relationships are, they're really good sometimes, and sometimes they're, they're a struggle. Amen, right? Mom, sometimes it's great being a mom, but sometimes it's a struggle because of the relationships. And God is saying, I want a relationship with you. We didn't have wrestling at Basel whenever I went to Basel years ago. We do now in other schools here. But I do remember this. I remember wrestling with my dad, who's in here too. Man, we had some good wrestling matches, didn't we, Pops? We wrestled. And we would just go through the house, and my mother would be like, you guys have got to stop. We were destroying, leaving a wake of destruction in our wrestling matches. And, and I wrestled with my son, Luke. Luke's 22 now. I used to could just throw him around like a rag doll. He's kind of doing that to me now, all right? We wrestled some with Trinity. She doesn't really, she's 17. She's not into it anymore, but she used to be, all right? She used to love watching. Here is what I know about wrestling, though. Not only is it exhausting, because we are so tired when you're done, but here's what it also is. It's very intimate sport. You, you are engaged, right? You are, it is an intimate sport, and God loves it when we're wrestling with him because you're engaged with him. If you're running, he will come to a place of allowing you to come to a breaking point, not because he's mean, but out of love for you. He'd rather us wrestle, and listen, he could squash us, as I said, like a bug, but he doesn't. 
He allows us to grapple. God lets Jacob wrestle with him. And it's interesting because it goes on all night. And I've always thought, God, why didn't you just stop this? You could have stopped this. It seems disrespectful that he's wrestling with you. Until I realized some of my wrestling matches with God go far beyond just one night. Right? We wrestle with God. He's breaking him. He's exhausting him. God, he says finally, I'm not letting go of you. I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go until you bless me. Do you know what he's saying? I'm not letting go of you until you help me. I need your help. Esau is coming. I can't do this anymore on my own. I'm alone in this camp. You came to me, and I'm not letting go. I need you. Right in the middle of this, you know, I've been in some wrestling matches before, but nobody has ever asked me this question. In the middle of this wrestling match, God says, what is your name? Wouldn't that be weird if my dad and I were wrestling? He's like, what is your name? What strategy are you using on me? You're trying to confuse me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, everyone say it, what? Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called, say it with me, what? Israel. Because you have fought with God and with men and have won or prevailed is how it translates. What's going on here? One of the things that we know about God is this, is that whenever he asks you a question, he already knows the answer. He knows the answer. What is he trying to do here? Just like he did with Adam. He's trying to get Jacob to own up to what his name was, what his name meant. God had never missed a day of Jacob's life. God created him. God had been pursuing him all of his life. He wants Jacob to admit who he is. You need to know that names in this culture, they meant something deeply. It wasn't just give a name and it doesn't mean anything. It was your label. It was your brand. It was what people understood about you and Jacob's name, beautiful name today. You need to know though, Jacob literally means deceiver, supplanter, manipulator, controller. This was Jacob's MO. This was his identity. Jacob had gone his entire life manipulating everyone, trying to control his brother, trying to control his parents, his in-laws, his uncle. He was a manipulator. He was on the run. And now he's trying to control the situation one last time when God says, what is your name? He's saying, Jacob, do you realize something? That you think that everyone else is your problem, but maybe the problem is really with you. He was bringing a confrontation to him. He was causing him to to look at himself, to take some introspective look. Jacob was a control freak. He was struggling all the time. You think you're in control, Jacob. You're not. You're not in control. This is a sobering moment in this passage. We read through it quickly, but you need to know that when Jacob says, my name is Jacob, what he's saying is, I'm a control freak. My name is Jacob, and I have a problem. That's what he's saying. Hi, Jacob. <laughs> That's what it. I just wonder, I just wonder if you had to go by your worst flaw, what would it be for you? What would it be? Hi, what's your name? My name's Greedy. Nice to meet you. Greedy. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm lazy. Good to meet you, lazy. What about you? Oh, I'm lusty. Nice to meet you. That's, I was reading that this, or thinking that this week, and I was thinking that sounds like Snow White and the, and the sinful dwarves, okay, or whatever. <laughs> I, my name's Gossip. What's your name? What would your name be? What he's doing is he's owning it. He's owning his behavior. And what I love, though, about Jacob is this. Okay, he's in this wrestling match. This is what I love about him. He's tenacious, right? You got to have some tenacity to wrestle with God. And that's what he's doing. He's wrestling with him. And this tenacity is, is a quality that when it's not under, harnessed under God's control can be bad, but it also can be good. Stubbornness, when it's harnessed, can be good. And God's going to turn this tenacity into some good in his life. He's going to take this broken flaw and he's going to begin to use it in some big ways because we know that Israel is going to emerge out of his line. Jacob is tenacious and he's like, God, I'm hanging on to you. You're going to bless me. I need your help in this. He reminds me a little bit of my daughter, Trinity. Trinity's 17, as I said. Trinity's a little bit like me. Does anybody else have a stubborn child? Anybody have a stubborn child? Okay, she's a little bit stubborn. She's like me in that. Um, I cannot say she's like her mother right after I say she's stubborn, especially on Mother's Day. I cannot do that, all right? Pastor Randy has some kittens at his house right now. He knew I was going to bring this up. Look, here's a picture of one. I took a picture this week. Oh, yeah, I knew you were going to do that. See, Trinity's not in here. You would have just made it really bad right there and worse because, because Allison, Randy's daughter, told Trinity about them last Sunday, all right? And she's been working this angle with Trinity a little bit and trying to give them away. So I went over to Randy's house on Monday. We were doing some work together. I took a picture just thinking I would send it to, Tr to Trinity and Hope and, and Luke, just thinking we could appreciate the cuteness of the animal, not realizing that that meant we need to possess the animal, okay? And this is what happens. Trinity... Um, it immediately fires back the text. Can we have it? Can we have it? And I want you to know all week, Trinity and I have been wrestling over this issue. And she is holding on to me saying, Daddy, I will not let go of you until you bless me with this kitty. The wrestling match is on. She's unrelenting, I'm telling you. She is tenacious. She, she is after me at every point in this. But here is the thing. I can easily win if I want to. But I gotta tell you, this is a secret you can't tell her. On the inside, her tenacity makes me smile a little bit. Because I know that God is going to use this part of her character in some pretty amazing ways in her future. Right? So it makes me smile. So I'm, I'm, I need to let you know, I'm milking this for all it's worth. Because she's like, Daddy, I promise I will clean the house every day. I will do all I am holding her feet to the fire on this. Because here is what I also know. Character development happens in the struggle. Write that down. Character development happens in the struggle. Part of the secret is that in my heart a little bit, I would, I've known I was probably going to bless her with this kitty. Don't tell her. Don't tell her. But in the meantime, I've insisted on her growing in a number of areas. You're going to take care of this. You're going to do what you said you were going to do. You're going to feed this. You know, you're going to feed the dogs. You're going to do all of this stuff, right? And, and why? Because it's a character development opportunity in the struggle. This is what's happening. 
Jacob said, God, I'm not letting go. I need you to bless me. I need you to help me. I admit to you, God, I'm the problem. I'm a manipulator. I'm a control freak. But I'm saying to you now, God, I'm being broken of this. And God, I need you. I can't control this situation anymore. I can't manipulate my way out of this. I want you to see this. God, write this down, changes Jacob's name because God is changing Jacob's identity in the struggle. And that's what he does in the struggle, in the character development. He's, he's shaping us. He's molding us in the struggle. He changes his name to Israel. He was a deceiver, right? That's what it means. Israel has a twofold meaning. It's really beautiful how this is. Israel means one who struggles with God. And if you know the history of Israel, they have certainly struggled with God throughout all of their existence, right? But the also, the second part of the meaning is beautiful. It is a prince with God or one who is upright with God. He is changing deceiver to one who is right with God, a prince of God. Why is this so important for us? You used to be a manipulator, Jacob, but I'm going to do something. I'm changing who you are. I'm changing what you are going to be known by. The whole struggle with God God is changing his identity. What does this matter for us? What does this look like for us? Listen, when God wants to work in you and in me, God does the deepest work in our identity. When he begins to change the way that we see ourselves, until God changes and works on us in changing how we see ourselves, not much is going to happen in our lives. We have to begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us. If I were to ask you, fill in this sentence, what might you put there? It's just like me to be. What do you think you'd write there? It's just like me to be insecure. It's just like me to always fly off the handle at everyone and get so upset and angry. It's just like me to control. It's just like me. And you know this about yourself, right? It's just like me to be insecure. It's just like me to feel inferior to everyone else. What God wants to do in you first before anything else is change the way you see yourself, your identity. As a result of the wrestling match, Jacob asked this, will you please tell me your name? I need to know you. I need to know you better. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Now look, then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face and yet my life has been spared. You see, Jacob realizes that God allowed him to wrestle with him. He knows that God could have squashed him. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was what? Limping. I think this will date me in my generation. I think of Fred Sanford, okay? That's what he's doing now. He's going through life limping because of the injury to his hip. Now, I want to give you some takeaways. This story is so important because it teaches us not only that God will allow us to go through struggles, but here is what is so beautiful for us. We can actually grapple with God and find blessing in it. You say, is that possible? If you're struggling now, how do you have victory in the struggles? If you're, if you're wrestling right now with God, is it possible? This story is this is what it's about. Are you ready? It's all about getting real with God. This story is about being in relationship. No more pretending. Getting real. Coming clean. Having a, an honest conversation. The struggle is real, right? It's about how to have a better relationship with God, even when you're struggling and you're trying to understand, what do I do if I'm struggling? What do I do if I'm angry right now? 
What do, I, what do I do if I'm upset about the way life is going? I feel disappointed. What do I do if I've prayed and, and it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like God is answering me. It feels like silence. Have you ever been there, right? Yes, we all have. You need to understand that the only reason we can wrestle with God is because he loves us and he allows us to. And he wants us to engage with him, get real with him. He's not indifferent. He does deeply care. I love how Peter puts it in 1 Peter 5, 7. This is what it says. Give all your worries. We read the rest of it out loud. Let's say it all out loud together. And what? Cares to God for he cares for you. What word is in there twice? Cares. All your worries. Your cares because he cares about you. That's the kind of God that he is. He knows you're going to struggle because this is in heaven. We are going to struggle right now. The very fact that God allows us to argue with him, and it's all throughout the Bible. There are examples. You can find them all throughout the Bible. I'm going to show you a couple quickly. Is because God loves you, and he wants you to have an honest and real relationship with him. Not like you have to put on this fake kind of relationship. Back to my story that I shared a few weeks ago. I shared a couple of weeks ago that I was in a really bad place about 10 years ago when I was pastoring this, our church. I was struggling. I had some resentments that I had not dealt with from previous churches, and, uh, and I was bitter, and it was catching up with me. I, talk, I talked to you about that and how God had to bring me to a place of forgiving people. I talked to you about last week about how I had some unresolved guilt that I needed to deal with. So there was an internal struggle. My struggle with others, my internal struggle. Now I want to talk to you for a second about the struggle that I had with God, because this was my wrestling point with God. In that dark period in my life where I didn't know if I would be in ministry anymore, I thought I, was, I maybe was done. I was struggling with so many things in my life. This church blessed me with an opportunity to get away for just a little bit by myself because you loved me and you said, we want you whole and well. You minister to us. Go allow God to minister to you. So I went off uh, for a week by myself to Durango, right outside of Durango, Colorado, where there was a cabin that I was able to go to that God provided for me. And this was about this time of year. It was in the middle of May, and I'm outside of Durango. The cabin that I'm in has no phone service. It has no internet service. There is no Wi-Fi. There's nothing to be able to do. I know for some of you that sounds like hell, okay? But for me, when I got there, and this is what happened. I got there, and I'm a restless person. I, I can't sit still. I always have to be moving. My leg's always moving, okay? I drive people crazy with that. I couldn't sit still. Let me tell you what God did. God brought a snowstorm that night. Eight inches of snow fell, and I couldn't go anywhere. God said, this is your Yabak River. You're not running anymore. We're doing business this week. And so I started just really getting everything off of my chest with God. I started reading through Jeremiah in a book that Jeremiah wrote called Lamentations. Real light reading, okay? Real light reading. <laughs> Go read it. it, it it'll kind of mess you up a little bit. But then I started reading Psalms too. And you know what I realized? All of these guys, you can look at all of them, Moses, David, Elijah, all of them, 
You keep going down the list. Jacob, they all wrestled with God at some point. And you know what the Bible does? It records it for us to show us it's okay to get real with him. Write this down, all right? A lament. What is a lament? It's a kind of prayer. A lament is a complaint to God. It's wrestling with God. I want you to see this. It is, write this down, a lament is an act, it is an act of worship when you complain to God. It is an act of rebellion when you complain about God. What God really wants you to do is to talk to him even when you're really mad, maybe even really mad at him. The Bible is filled with laments, 65 of the 150 Psalms. Do you know that 65 of them are laments? Where the author complains to God. The whole book of Lamentations is one big complaint to God. I'm going to lead you next week in working through a lament. To complain about him is an act of sin. To complain to him is an act of actual worship. When you're saying, I'm talking to you about this. And I had it out with God in that cabin The beautiful thing is, everything I said to him, he takes and he wraps his arms around us. And I said in that moment, I am not letting go of you. And he says, I never let go of you. Amen? Right? It's wrestling, finding blessing in our brokenness. Is it possible? There's a pattern of lament. I'm going to quickly give you this. I'm going to teach you quickly this week, but next week we're going to do this together. One pastor I read said a lament could actually be more like this in an acrostic. It's your complaint. It's your appeal. It's your reminding God of his character, and it's your expression of faith at the end. It's care, all right? I thought that was a great way. So if you are struggling today, How do I find blessing in the brokenness? Is it possible? This is what you do. I tell God my struggles. You say he already knows. Yes, but he wants you to talk to him about it. He wants you to engage with him. This is the start of a lament is I voice my complaint. Most of us have never realized it's okay to do this. But the Bible shows us that it is okay. It's a pattern of health in a relationship to say, God, this is how I really feel. I don't want to pretend. Psalm 13, quickly, oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? You ever felt like that? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long must I struggle? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we defeated him. Don't let my enemies rejoice at my downfall. I want you to notice he's vocalizing his complaint, but watch how it turns on a dime. But I trust in your unfailing love. Do you know what that unfailing love is? Hesed. He never stops pursuing you. He's going to keep pursuing you even when you're angry with him. I will rejoice because you have rescued with me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. There's a, re- there's a change. He, he gets it all out and then he's going to say, but I'm still going to trust you. Psalm 142, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my, what's the word? Complaints. It's in there. Before him and I tell him all my troubles. You're telling him. You're vocalizing it. Jacob does this, by the way, just prior to this event. 
I'll show you maybe next week. It's how you start in a lament. Your lament could be vocalized in different ways. You can lament in anger. You can lament in fear. You can lament in frustration. You can lament in exhaustion. You're tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. You ever felt like that? And you're, whatever it may be. The question is, Oftentimes, our lament is related to what is broken in our life. Last week, you probably wrote down the broken things that were in your life, and that's wonderful. That's good. I love that you did this, but just taking this, breaking it, does not deal with it. Now we're starting to deal with it. What you did last week, you made it real. And now what God is saying is, you're at the Jabbok River with me, the Yabak River with me, and let's wrestle some on this. I want you well. I want you to get real. The key is we complain, but we are complaining in faith. In other words, God, I'm, gonna, I'm asking you to hear me out on this. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but God, I believe you can help. I'm going to hang on to you. I need your help in this. All patterns of lament start with a complaint. Here's what I also do, and I don't have time to flesh this out. I'll do it more next week. I appeal to his character. I start making an appeal to his character. You're going to know his character by reading his word. God loves it when you talk to him about your struggles, and God loves it when you begin to say, but I know that this is who you are. This is what you say. This is what you are going to do. I appeal to the character. So many biblical examples. This is what I also do. The third part, I remind God of his promises. You say, why do I have to remind? Isn't he all-knowing? Yes, he is. You know what I find in this? I don't know that this is so much, but you'll find they remind God of his promises. I think that it's not because God needs to be reminded. He knows everything. Do you know what happens though when you begin to point out these things? It galvanizes your faith. You're going back to what he already did. His promises, things that he's already said. And here's your final thing. I express, it always turns into a lament, turns into an expression of total trust. God, I'm upset about this right now, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I want to end with this passage. Habakkuk writes this. Some of you may feel this very much. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms right now, there are no grapes on the vines. Even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flock dies in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, that sounds like a pretty rough life going Look at what he says, even though all of that, look at what he says, yet I will rejoice in you. Job, if you read Job, Job says, says, even if you slay me, I will never stop loving you. I'll just be with you in heaven. I will rejoice, I will be joyful. The way to find blessing in our brokenness, this is your final thing is this key word right here, is surrender. I've been a controller. God says, that has been the worst thing you have ever believed. It's been the most pernicious lie you've believed because you've never been in control. God wants us to surrender. I give up control. You're God. I'm not. I'm going to hang on to you. I need you. I'm not going to let go. What do I do about this stuff that's out of control? You give it to God. Give it to God today. In the last part of the story of Jacob, you know why God touched his hip that's attached to his thigh? It was his strongest point in his body. And what had Jacob been doing all of his life? Running. And God said, you're not going to run anymore. 
And now every time he would limp, he would remember the brokenness and the time of surrender, the time where God finally got a hold of his life and changed his identity. And this is what God is doing in our lives. I want to just invite you to prayer with me. Before I pray, let me ask you to consider just this question. In what areas today maybe are you struggling with God? Is there some brokenness there? Is it in your finances? God, I'm hanging on to you. I'm not letting go of you until you bless me in this area. Maybe it's in your health. Maybe it's in some relationships that have just seemed so out of control and you're so upset about it. God, I'm hanging on to you. I'm wrestling with you. I'm upset about this, God. Maybe something hasn't turned out the way that you wanted it to turn out. This is what I'm urging us all to do today. And whatever it is that feels broken in your life, will you bring it to him in surrender? Say, God, I surrender this. I surrender my life. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. We thank you that you never give up on us. Lord, you, you bring us to the end of ourselves so that we can experience the fullness of you. Would you teach us more about that, Lord? Would you minister to hearts today that are hurting? Would you encourage those? Lord, we want to surrender these things to you today. We don't want to just write them on the back of a tile and never deal with them, Lord. We want to begin to reflect upon what you want to do with these things that are broken. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me? Let's make this last song our prayer to God.